Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, character actor, star of Yellow Jackets, musician, badass, 90s icon, Juliette Lewis. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Yes, the one and only Juliette Lewis on the pod today. First time guest, surprisingly, considering her body of work. Certainly a lot to talk about with Juliet. Um, someone whose films are inextricably linked with my own coming of age as a film lover in the 90s. Um, you know, movies like Cape Fear, for which she was Oscar nominated, Natural Born Killers, collaborations with Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez and Woody Allen. She just worked with them all in a very short span of time. And she's still kicking, and she's still kicking it really well with the likes of Christina Ricci and Melanie Linsky in the hit show Yellow Jackets. This was a show that, I don't know about you, it kind of felt like it snuck up on me. I was hearing, I, 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 maybe I heard about its release with this interesting ensemble, an interesting concept, but I didn't catch on at first. And then by the end of the season, all these fan theories were floating around, all these think pieces, people were just buzzing about Yellow Jackets, excuse the pun, and I eventually caught up with it and I loved it. It's a great show. If you haven't caught it, uh, check it out. It's streaming on a number of different services. If you just Google Yellow Jackets, you'll find it. Um, it's, a, it's a series that's ongoing. They're gonna shoot the next uh, season, I think relatively soon. Um, and it basically is two split time periods set in the 90s with some high school, um, primarily female cast who are in this horrible accident, this horrible plane crash, um, suffer this trauma, and then we jump to present day uh, to see the present day versions of some of these ac of these uh, uh, athletes, uh, student athletes, and like I said, they're uh, inhabited by some of um, our greatest actors working today, including um, Melanie Linsky and Juliet and Christina Ricci and. Um, and it's a really fascinating show. It's a mix of, of different genres, a little bit of horror, a little bit of mystery and um, uh, dark comedy. And it really worked on me, and, and I am not alone in that. So this conversation certainly talks about that. But of course, we hit upon all of the, the major touchstones in her career. And she is, Juliet's a survivor. She's someone that's been through it, been through the ups and downs, and just has a really... Um, she's, she's a unique spirit. I mean, you know, it's not surprising if you've seen her work, and I think it comes through in this conversation. Really enjoyed chatting with her uh, for the podcast. So, yes, that's the main event. Other things to say. Well, if you've been following me on social media, and you probably do if you listen to the podcast, you probably know it's been a busy time. Uh, most notably, I was in San Diego for the world premiere of Top Gun Maverick. Um, I don't even know where to begin. I'll keep it short, but just to say, uh, it was a hell of a day. We, uh, we by we, I mean MTV, uh, hosted the premiere on an aircraft carrier, the USS Midway, uh, in San Diego, and uh, I was the host uh, alongside Simone Boyce and Domiti Pongo. I was, uh, I had this crazy position, like right up front, where Tom Cruise uh, arrived on a helicopter on... <laughs> There's no, there's no proper way to say that without sounding insane. Tom Cruise arrived via helicopter on the USS Midway and then dramatically walked to my platform uh, as the music uh, soared from Top Gun Maverick. And that was a moment. <laughs> In a career that I've had where I've had a lot of pretty crazy, fun, cool moments, that was a, that's top 10. 
maybe even top five. Um, not to mention, it was in support of a movie that I actually love. Look, sometimes you host premieres or you do you cover events and they're for movies that in your heart of hearts don't love and you kind of have to find what you love about them in there and get the enthusiasm going. That was not hard on this one. I mean, you again, if you follow me on social media, you might be sick of it. I, I just love this movie. But thankfully, I'm not alone. Everybody loves Top Gun Maverick. Um, it's opening very soon, so you'll all be able to see what we're talking about. But it just works. It's just emotional and, and action-packed and just like um, is, is a perfect kind of summer blockbuster that sadly we don't get a lot of anymore. So... Um, one of the happiest times I've spent in a theater in recent memory was was watching Top Gun Maverick. And one of the happiest times working, my, my weird job, was uh, hosting the premiere for Top Gun Maverick and talking to Tom and seeing Miles Teller, um, who has a very key role in the film and uh, who I go way back with, and to see Glenn Powell, who I love and it just has a star-making performance in this, and he's been kicking around for a few years, and to see him get an opportunity, um, really exciting. So... I don't know what else to say except that was a bananas experience and you can actually watch the live stream if you missed it on MTV News' YouTube page and see just what went into it. And certainly I was, you know, just one part of a giant machine. You can imagine the apparatus that goes into hosting a live red carpet on an aircraft carrier with a helicopter coming with Tom Cruise. <laughs> so major props to the MTV team that supported me and made it all happen and to Paramount for putting on an amazing event and to Tom Cruise for being the professional uh, maniac that he is <laughs> and doing premieres like nobody else. Uh, yeah, th th these kind of silly events are partially why I do what I do. Um, it's, 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 one, it's kind of the silly part of what I do, but I, I, I have to admit I love it and uh, it seemed like everybody had a great time. So mission accomplished, as they would say in Top Gun. Um, I'm not sure what else to mention. I do want to mention um, uh, uh, um, the newsletter, uh, The Wake Up, which I've mentioned a couple times previously on the podcast. Um, it's run by um, my buddy Sean McNulty. If you guys haven't checked it out, I highly recommend you do. It's totally free. It's a daily newsletter. It comes to your email, uh, to your inbox, and it's a great way to start the day and just get a great digest of all the entertainment and business news headlines um, in like, you know, it's like a three minute read and you're like up to speed on everything going on in film and TV and streaming. Uh, you can go to thewakeup.substack.com, subscribe to it, highly recommend it. Uh, that link is also in the show notes, but wanted to give a, remind you guys that this is a, a, a cool free newsletter to stay up on all the machinations going on in the biz as my voice drops a couple octaves as I sound like I've been smoking for 30 years when in fact I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. It's called acting. Uh, anyway, all right, let's get on to the main event. As I said, this is the one and only Juliette Lewis. You know her, you love her. I'm trying to think if there are any spoilers or anything in here. Not really. Broad strokes on Yellow Jackets are in this, but also, it's a significant kind of uh, career chat, and uh, who doesn't want to hear fun stories about the making of Cape Fear and Natural Born Killers? I do. That's why I do this podcast. Uh, here's me and Juliet Lewis. We're I mean, there's, there's no pomp and circumstance. I'm just going to officially welcome Juliet Lewis eight years too late to the podcast. We've been doing this eight years. I don't know how it's taken us this long, but... I appreciate you taking the time out in the middle of work. Thanks for doing this today. Absolutely. But we, we, so this is your podcast, but you and I have 
done interviews before. We yeah. have. I, I, I've dug yeah. through my own brain and, and, and my, 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 my copious photo archives. Actually, you'll find this maybe funny or, or, or crazy. I looked through our, my old photos, Juliet, and I found this is Toronto on a rooftop. 2010 must have been for conviction, maybe, I'm thinking. Yep, that seems about right. Um, but I think we also talked for August the Sage. So, but you know how it is. These junkets and these like six minute interviews, you're like, when do well, I actually- Well, no, I, did, I didn't remember you oh, and that. you and your name and like that. Yeah, so I did oh, not know. I'll yes. take it, I'll take it. I, I more than remember your name. Your, your, your work ha- is, is intrinsically part, it's part of my film loving DNA. Um, and the fact that Yellow Jackets gives us a chance to, to catch up in this way, I'm grateful for. Um, so first, let's talk. Let's just talk like where you're at. You're, you, you were telling me before you're in L.A. You're in the middle of shooting. Is this is this the immigrant TV series that you're into right now? What are you what are you doing? Yeah, right I think it's they're calling it um, untitled Chippendales for the moment, <laughs> unless you've got a confirmation. I, I that got I, nothing. I got OK. Nothing. Um, yes, I am in Los Angeles filming a TV show with a really uh, spectacular cast. But this is sort of becoming the trend, uh, being um, filming with pe- people I really love and admire. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, more you, than cool. You, that's the goal that to, to work with people that not only make uh, boost your art, but also are just fun to be around. And it seems like I mean, Yellow Jackets. So Yellow Jackets, like to me, I don't know, from your vantage point, from my vantage point, it kind of like came out of nowhere. It felt like it was it was a slow burn, which is unusual in this day and age where like something, there's all the pomp and circumstance and then it explodes from day one and like everyone's talking about it. But like Yellow Jackets was the rare kind of like momentum where like the, at first it launched and then by and not, maybe not many people were talking, but by the end of the season, it felt like, like back in the days of Lost, there were like theories and, and pandemonium. What From your vantage point, what did the experience of unleashing Yellow Jackets out into, into the world feel like? Yeah, um, see that's, this is all new to me. So I needed people around me <laughs> to go, yeah, this is unusual, Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> um, one being my manager, uh, my trusty manager. No, he was like, uh, it's a, I don't know the analogy, but it's, you're on a hit TV show. It's a, or the striking gold. Like it's a very, um, it's not often, yeah. you know, it's what everybody strives for. Um, of course, I'm not, I'm, I'm not to sound weird. I, I'm just always, mine is always like, does it, you know, uh, connect with people? Um, do they respond to the story and your work and all that? The the idea of hits and numbers and yes, you have a second season is the other stuff uh, out of my control. Right. Yeah. But is, uh, just, yeah, go on. Well, I was going to say, is your internal barometer at this point any better or worse? I feel like you never know is, is the general sense I get from actors of like, it can feel great on set. It can look great on paper you can be in this business for 70 years and you still don't know, or, or do you, I don't know. Do you feel like you have a better sense of it at this point in your career that of what's going to, what's going to resonate, what's going to work? No, because it's always a, 
a zeitgeist thing is that the correct thing when when a certain combination of things hit at a particular time that the audience sort of anoints is the thing like you are you know <laughs> this is great you're, you're we love we love it and we want more um fan this this show struck a, a chord of like what you're saying where where people are invested in a way um that of course the writers and show creators everyone hopes for i have learned now with experience never to have expectations all i can control is the quality of the experience and striving you know i'm real hard on um, myself or my standards because i'm striving for not just good but uh <laughs> um greatness uh, and yeah. and transcendence that's that's it i'm 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 always looking for truth in scenes um that gives you a feeling of uh transcendence well that that has i get it because that that's well, I was gonna say that's within your control. You can at least strive for that, right? That's within your power to strive for that. But like all the rest of it is so out of, it's out of your hands. And that must be a lesson learned relatively early on in anybody's career that like, if I'm gonna be sane and healthy and not like beat myself up about this, I just gotta concentrate on what I do on my side of the street and let the rest of it fall where it may. Yeah, um, for real and for reals and also um it's, it's funny i i, I was uh, it's hard tv is difficult in that you you are committing potentially years of your life off of a single script sometimes two if you're lucky and a pitch meeting yeah it's a lot of trust you're putting in something yeah yeah a lot of trust and within that uh show creators and writers are also dealing with um, notes and also allowing the thing to uh, become what it's going to become. So this show is wild because it was one of the greatest pilot scripts I'd ever read um, because the characters were all so distinct and and uh, and the story it was written so well, just really mysterious and uh, unexpected turns. And then uh, a year, uh, the pandemic hit and we all just sat. And then I showed up and Natalie goes home. So my character who I kind of took the job of like, she's a grifter, you never know who she is. She's a chameleon. You know, they, they're all bonded by trauma and they all have different uh, survival skills. and. Um, the thing that hooked me was the sense of mystery about Natalie when we meet her at the rehab. And then when we shot the series, it's that person goes home right. and they kind of deconstruct and implode. <laughs> so that was all a surprise journey for me and really interesting. Um, but I had a lot of fear because I, I never want to be pigeonholed. I, I, think of myself true blue uh, a character actor like right. I I like characters and um and so what's exciting about this is it's a, a long what do they call it? you were saying slow burn slow rollout 
the yeah. second season will be a Natalie totally different than the first season. Right. Do so you find that you are, it sounds like it's in your nature to kind of like fight for your character to like, to, 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 you know, to, to show up and give your two cents as opposed to like, I mean, you're a collaborator. You're not there just to read the words. Oh, a hundred percent. But collaborator is the key word here. Um, Cause it's funny. People have, sorry, I'm going to have a drink of water. Oh, good. Mm. People have preconceived notions. Um, you know, I guess I give a, I've given off an air of uh, strong individual individualism or something like this. And, or, and that's, that's awesome. But on a set, I, I'm a pro I like to be a problem solver. Right. I very much want to uh, manifest and honor the show creators ideas and vision. However, um, I also know uh, writers in a writer's room, everyone's under pressure, right? So sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll give a lot of attention to this storyline. And so I do think it is my job to to honor the their original, you know, yeah. just to remind them of intention of this particular character. But I'm rarely stuck in my ways. Uh, although sometimes I suppose I could be, but but oh oh, so what I want to say is this this uh, collab this group of people, they hired me to do what I do, right? You know, to to because I've been on shows where they want the familiar, they want. They're like, no, 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 Juliet, can you be more, without saying common, <laughs> can, can you be more uh, predictable? And yeah. I'm always trying to take the scene and make it in a way that you've never seen it uh, before. Um, but, but of course, do that honestly and uh, with a sense of spontaneity. Totally. And if you'll it, it, indulge me since we have some time and it, it drives with one of the things I want to talk about with your background is you mentioned like you think of yourself as a character actor. And I look back at your upbringing and your dad, who was a great actor, he was like the consummate character actor. Like that, that was, that was him. Um, is that, is that you think part in your DNA, just seeing what your dad did and the variety that he, he was able to bring to the screen? 1000%. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, and I'm smiling because I naturally love and adore my dad or maybe not naturally. I know some people don't feel that way. <laughs> Uh, about their parents. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny because I didn't come to this business through magazine culture or hype. Right. I, it, it, it was very grounded and real. Uh, uh, where long hours, you never have the same experience twice. Um, one of the most uh, or cute, acute thing that happened was when my dad and I worked together, we only worked together twice and not really very much in the same scenes. But the second movie we did, no one really saw it, it was a European <laughs> director. Um, okay, I won't bore you with the premise, but the point is I sat with my dad on set and I noticed we were so similar. We're so similar and I got it. I got it all from my dad. You know, we talked to the van driver um, and the light, lighting technicians. You know, if you're not bottled up doing something intense where you have to keep to yourself. 
but th there's a sense of equality and yep. there's no hierarchies. What, what I mean is there's a, I, I know, I, th to me, there's a nobility in um, being a real workman, like an just yeah. a real actor, um, a team. We're just the front of the thing, but, but we will all work together. Was it, was it odd for him and I imagine you where like relatively early on then, before you will become this kind of like jack of all trades as your career progresses, like you're a movie star, like you became a movie star relatively early in your career. Was that, and you make the face, but like maybe that still like feels weird to even hear. PTSD. I know. Uh, you say that word, I was like, oh. <laughs> did it not, know, did um, it not suit you? Did it not sit well in your bones to have that label? No, I'll tell you something weird about me is that um, when I was super young, um, Oh, do you know, I was just thinking the other day, uh, this um, label, I was the second youngest person to ever receive an Oscar nomination. Is that right? That's crazy. It's probably not. It, oh, Anna Paquin. Sure. I think people have surpassed it now. Well, you're definitely in that. Li yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait. I was going to say you're definitely in that that list. I mean, that's that's odd for any human being, let alone what were you probably 18 or something? When yeah, got... I think I was 18, but no, I, I remember them saying that because uh, who had done it first was um, O'Neill's daughter. Tatum O'Neill. Yeah. Tatum, Tatum O'Neill. She is, was the first. Um, so to, I was going to say when I would read articles and they would make me other, you know, it's a whole othering that occurs and it would be glowing. It would be the, you know, it was back in the day when they wrote like, she she saunters in and with her glasses with her cheekbones or whatever they would wax poetic about it interview that the actor sat down and were like so let's sell the movie uh, but when i read it i would i would i would cry because i i didn't recognize myself oh my god i could get teary-eyed right now uh, but because it was um setting me apart from and i already had felt that way so 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 how I dealt with that was even more connection to the people who have felt out like other outsiders and that's now 30 years later has been um the trend that I I like to give a voice to the the, the strange or the uncommon or disenfranchised or right. you know but not yeah. to say like I would love to play an aristocrat and uh, you know all these things but um yeah so that that's interesting when you, you mentioned the yeah kind of the strange and the outsider yeah I read like I don't know if you can never trust what you read obviously on the interwebs but like I said like one of the early things before Cape Fear was that you were up for Beetlejuice for instance and I could see you as like a Tim Burton muse at the time like I could feel like it feels like Juliet Lewis should be on, on that short list for Tim do you have any recollection of almost working with him or no yeah that's right so well I mean I, I think there was a handful of girls that you know we were all up for the same things and it was Winona and myself um I don't remember I'm sure that a, a lot of other girls there there but I I had blonde hair <laughs> and so the once you and I, I one of the things that I, I enjoy of being a character person is we I can I like to think that I can completely change um, visually 
So anyway, when I was a kid and I had blonde hair, whole other ball of wax. Oh shit, did it? I got you oh. back. Don't worry. <laughs> but I, I became visually something entirely different. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I didn't, and who knows? Maybe my interview uh, meeting audition sucked, and well, went on. Clearly, it was awesome, and she got. She got the part. Worked out for everybody. It was, which, yeah, bring, exactly. which brings us. So I don't know if you're sick at this point of talking about Cape Fear. I, I will never tire of it because it's a it's kind of a perfect movie uh, in my in my estimation. It, it's kind of like the movie that like proves that like there's an alternate universe where Scorsese could have just made like 25 thrillers and would have been the, yeah. and as the greatest like just genre filmmaker ever. And he just decided to make a little bit of everything instead of one thing. Um but it's it's such a, a effective piece of work, and like you, obviously more than hold your own against the greatest actors on the planet, namely Mr. De Niro. Um, I mean, the the infamous like quote unquote seduction scene, which has been talked about to death. You're being so respectful because you wanted to say the thumb scene, which is what it was called. But whatever, go on. Well, but, but here's my question. I, I from what I've read about it, and I've read a lot, and I've heard a lot. I wonder like today if it would have happened in the same way because it was partially improvised from what I gather. And like, from what I gather, it was, you were kind of given a heads up that Bob was going to do something. Um, but I wonder like, I don't know in these times, like would it have to be like mapped out even more specifically? And is that spontaneity gone? Um, no, I, I just to be fair, no, no, there was, you know, consent and, and, yeah, yeah. and respect and, um, uh, what do I want to say? It, it was written that uh, he was going to kiss her, me, the character. Um, and they thought it was written very much the way or, or a version of what the film they were remade, the old Cape Fear, which is he's the scary bad guy. He's lecherous, you know, right. kisses her and she's terrified. And that's the scene. Um, because, you know, they're geniuses and and we're all wanting everyone wants to play nuanced um specific a kind of realism um uh well that toes the line and and so i was right in there um wanting to be realistic as a young person i was a young person but i was actually older than what I was playing in, even in my young experience and and in age. Well, that's um, the funny thing but, I was gonna, I was going to yeah. say is like I feel like as much credit as you got, you almost deserve more credit because people were thinking like, oh, she's just kind of playing, she's she's being, but like the life you were living, you were dating an older guy, you were out of the house, you were like, you were not a sixteen-year-old ingenue. Well, you're so sweet. The credit I got, that's over time because <laughs> initially <laughs> it was how did Scorsese get this performance how, where did Scorsese find this uh, girl yeah, that him is just like, like the girl chisel it yeah. out of granite he just somehow yeah yeah um but so what I, um oh gosh there's so many things to say oh you were talking about improvisation there was yeah. a few things and it is funny when you um, talk about when you're saying when people hire me, you know, do I fight for my character? This, that it's I'm actually it's, so I, I it's what I've learned was from working and being given opportunities like that with people 
I come to the table with being a true collaborator or, or having a De Niro and um, Scorsese listen to your ideas or give you freedom or, you know, encourage your intuitiveness. And so there are some jobs where they do, don't want, you want, they might want a robot. Um, and so, and then other people want to hire you for what you give. But the improv in that scene, what it wasn't the physicality because okay. they were very respectful in that way. It was, oh, a radical idea that's rarely done. Now it's done more in TV to save time, but two cameras. This was, it never happens in film where you get to see the reactions and the performance truly as it's occurring. Right. Uh, that's super rare. So that was exciting. It's what's on the screen is mostly one and two takes. That's all we did. Crazy. Uh, yeah. That's see, pretty cool. You, talk, you were the, you used the word radical. That gives me the perfect segue to a movie that blew my brain apart when I saw, which was natural born killers. And it feels like it's like just, punk movie making at its finest like i mean yeah. jfk kind of set the bar i remember with oliver stone yeah. and i was the right age for that and to see him mix film stock and to just like go fuck it i'm just gonna like push the envelope and then natural born killers is like jfk on steroids and it's just madness did is the is the is the making of that movie as reflective of what i saw did it feel like a mad fever dream to make that movie or did it feel yeah. more buttoned down this is so funny i didn't fully know we were um Going over my career, which oh, I sorry, love, okay? I, just, yeah. I just wish I ate uh, some more protein <laughs> <laughs> for my brain. No, I have to I eat all the, all the time. Um, let's see. Oh, see, I in hindsight, you know, with age, midlife, you treasure or or not, but I treasure these uh, ex creative endeavors. There's nothing like what what filming Natural Born Killers was, and so every time I see Woody, we're just like, hey, you know, we've shared. Uh, it's like two soldiers who went to boot camp together, or you know, served a, a term or whatever you call it <laughs> in the war. We feel like this camaraderie. There's a deep camaraderie. Um, so what do I want to say? What was radical about that film? I know people think of the stuff of like oh there must be mushrooms and blah 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 and it's like right. no maybe someone took mushrooms on their own time but it wasn't wasn't on the i didn't see this on the set right um that's not what gave us our performance what what did it was oliver um wanting every every molecule of your imagination of your creativity and he um, demanded that, uh, uh, and and so I was given a space where I could contribute some real wild ideas, you know, all that stuff, all the physicality. I, I knew she was. I did want to, you know, um, be quite primal, and so she's like a little banshee to me. She's like a little. Uh, there's a is it called GIF online? Yeah, that yeah. GIF. There's a little thing where, where it has me going like this in the uh, in the cafe. I mean, those are all things that I just yeah. added some flavor to uh, the a killer personality who's quite uh, manic. Uh, 
Well, it is also a revolutionary character, Mallory. I mean, like, it's one thing to have that, like, in a dude, but, like, for a young woman with your physicality, it was just so incongruous to what we were used to. And that's partially what made it, like, so striking and so shocking and disturbing. Um, I know, it's so strange. It's a crazy... It is strange because it's been done. You know, we see women who do fight sequences and... But again, that was Oliver going, oh, yeah, go work with Benny the Jet, one of the great um, fighters who has trained on many uh, movies. He's like, go go do your thing. And then you present the fight. And I remember working with Benny. We talked about doing a left jab. Um, I don't know if you read this. I talked about it in another article, but there's so many stories I don't I've not. talked a lot about but we worked real hard on creating an entire choreographed fight sequence that was different than again it's just sort of like the guy flirts with her and she roundhouses him and then he's down right and i'm i I, i'm little so it's it's never going to be about brawn it's about the element of surprise um and then finding your your death hits or like wherever (laughs) your weakest points are you know there's a whole uh psychology that i was um learning about did you yeah. you obviously then tarantino of course wrote the script infamously it wasn't his version of the script that he necessarily loved but then of course from dust till dawn you collaborate with him as an actor and as a, as a writer again was there a time when you and Tar- I, mean, I could see tarantino just loving you like he see you seem like made for for quentin for his dialogue we, for the loved, we, we loved each other so much as pals and um, yeah, it's pretty, I, I, it's, I'm a little sad because I ha- I've been wanting, I should work with him as a, him as a director yeah. and we haven't. So, but yes, we met socially at one of these events in the nineties and then that's how it became pals. And that's how he then called me up and was like, hey, I, I love this new director that I believe in who did El Mariachi, Ravi Rodriguez. Check him out. Hey, what are you doing this summer, Juliet? <laughs> Do you want to join us for a silly, fun, good time in the desert? And, uh, and I was like, yeah, let me check this out. And yeah, that could be fun. And and because um, at that point, I felt like I was sort of past the dot, the quote unquote daughter role. I was. 22 but I still look so young so I could do that but you all you have to say is Tarantino and Harvey Keitel Keitel, come on and then Mr. Clooney was yet uh, yet to be a he was a newly discovered uh, elite potential uh, leading man that was the movie that was the movie that showed like oh this guy's a fucking movie star like he's good on ER he's a movie star yes (laughs) <laughs> um do you have fondness and i apologize if, if this does feel like this is your life but i mean oh again, i love it i i don't get to talk about the real stuff uh often enough actually it's kind of cool i have, mean i may write a book but not you what to. you expect naturally <laughs> you need to uh here do you have the fondness that i have for strange days strange days from Catherine bigelow um, it's an interesting role for you in that, like, it is the rare intersection of, of your different lives to a degree, yeah. obviously. You get to sing in it and you get to kind of, like, lean into that that persona a bit. Um, but Bigelow is such, like, a badass filmmaker. I mean, it, what, what, what was that experience like? What jumps to mind when you think of it? She's radical. I don't know. I'm just going to use that term. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Um, 
what do I mean by this in that she's fiercely um, committed, knowledgeable about uh, what it is she's seeing and executing those visions in a very meticulous um, way and an epic way. Cause that, that film was quite epic, a big scale, um, just in the story alone and the crowd scenes and that there's music. Um, what was it like? Oh, it was grueling. It was, uh, we had a vampire schedule. It was nights, night shoots, night shoots for over a month. Yeah, I don't think there was any daylight in that movie, as I recall. Uh, very little. There was some um, in the flashbacks or whatever at the beach. Um, oh, but the key thing that it was, was, and again, when you're midlife, you look in hindsight, you're like, oh, that was the moment I was reminded that I am a singer because I, I had wanted to do that when I was young. It was just my truest self. So it was like deep in the closet. I was right. like, I was a closeted uh, live performer and musician. And so at that time, I would never have been ready to step into my performer shoes. I was still quite an, uh, an introvert um, and, and, and around uh, audiences. I wouldn't know how to lead an audience yet. So it took me um, 10 years to actually get on a stage. But it was instrumental in introducing me to a kind of uh, aspect of a creative mirrored reflection, which is PJ Harvey. Right. The songs you sing in the film, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, she's, we were going to do Rid of Me in the movie. And then the more I got into PJ Harvey, I then brought to Catherine um, Hardly Wait off of uh, PJ's uh, four track demo album. And then uh, Catherine liked that song too. So we did it, did that. Yeah. Does, I mean, so, so segueing into the musical aspect of your life, which is a significant one, I'm like, does anything approach the high that you feel when you're on a stage? Anything on the acting side ever approach what you feel when you're in your element commanding uh, an audience? I mean, is it analogous at all? Yeah, it is. I, I, Jeez, I wish I had my um, readers on. We could just change this whole thing because you're a blur. Um, also, I keep moving because I, I'm renting a house. And you know how people are like, look at your kitchen. What? Red linoleum? I'm renting. This isn't. No judgments, people. Okay. This is not. <laughs> this was a house that would accept two dogs, mind you. Oh, you might have so, heard my dog just uh, eating and drinking behind me. I'm glad I've got a fellow dog lover. Okay, good. Yes. Um. <laughs> Okay, so analogous. Yes. Oh, so yeah. So, so I guess the question on an act, in an acting gig, can you ever feel that high? Does anything ever approach what you feel on a stage? Mm. Can anything approach me standing on um, a crowd of 5,000 at Lollapalooza in, in 2007? Right? No, <laughs> no. Um, that was the first time I was like, oh, I can stand on hands. Um, <laughs> I didn't know, you know, all of Iggy Pop. That's why everybody kept comparing me to Iggy Pop. But again, I, I have some savant qualities where like, I didn't know Iggy. There's a famous, I don't know, you know, but Detroit, he, he stood on the audience's hands. <laughs> uh, or he walked, you know, 
And so to answer your question, I am actually uh, writing a script. I'm 15 pages away from being done. We've done, re I've done the rewrites uh, that will pose this question uh, uh, to, it's loosely, it's a fictionalized version of some things I've gone through, but it does pose that um, existential question that was looming um, in the uh, first year of the pandemic that said, it was a headline said, live music may never happen again or something, some horrible doom and gloom that would crush a, a person as a spirit. So uh, my point is, uh, there there is one word that I always look for, even in acting, that would be probably throughout any creative mediums. And it is the feeling that I had when working with De Niro. Anytime we work together is a feeling of transcendence. Yes. And it goes beyond time and space, this place. And it's quite magical. Um, is it in all, the moment or is it after the fact? Disappear. Go on. Is it in the moment or after the fact? Is it in a scene or is it like, oh, that just happened and I now I'm on another plane? <laughs> It's it's in the scene. It's yeah. it's or a place you you strive for that you can't intellectualize or contrive. It's just an organic thing that occurs by truly um, being being in the zone yeah. with another partner like like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, but music. I just want to say, yeah. music to me is a is a holy place. It's it's spiritual. And any, I'm sure you've had the feeling, any of the best shows you've ever been to, you're like, wow, that was like going to church. Yeah. Like Ar Arcade Fire or um, Rolling Stones or something. So to be on the other side and to leave um, and have everyone in unison uh, uh, express joy, vigor, celebration, uh, even rage, angst, all of that is a, is a really impactful profound feeling yeah the word you said before transcendence i'm sure um you know i always you know like i've talked to so many actors that have had like you know kind of the roller coaster that comes with any career and i really admire the ones that like ride the waves and it's like it's a testament you must like take satisfaction like where you're at like you are now officially a veteran you've been doing this a while and you've ridden the different waves and like in a weird way, like, I don't know if you felt this at certain points in your career, you were competing against yourself. Like you had so much success early on. Did it ever feel like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm like, I'm always like living in the shadow of Juliet at 18. <laughs> You're, this is so funny. Cause I was like, this is why Josh Horowitz, no, he's the guy. No, this is intelligent. This is a smart, <laughs> this is smart. Not a lot of people know that artists often, I don't know, my, my niece, she's so funny. She is an artist. She hates this word. And I was like, what about a, a creative? She's like, I hate it even more. Um, but, but whatever, a creative person, you're often in competition with your earlier, your earliest things, because it's what, uh, put you, if it puts you on the map. So I think about someone like Prince. How, how, you know, you can go through all different dimensions of revolt um, because if you're smart, you're trying to evolve and not repeat yourself. Yeah. Other people are perfectly happy repeating themselves and that's the career they want. Um, but 
Prince, didn't he? At some point, he's like, mm, I'm not going to play actually the hits the way right. you you like them. <laughs> so that's that's his choice. He's like, I, I'm going to do the jazz funk rendition, the 10 minute version of Little Red Corvette or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So here, here what I want on that is that you find work. I feel like now it, it, I'm finally coming into a place and with things like Yellow Jackets or August Osage County was really special um, where I've reached midlife. I was like, aha, this is, th these are, there's a whole other animal uh, of nuance and um, challenge that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to play as a, as a young, youngster, young person. Well, and they're not so, expecting you to kind of dig into the same bag of tricks, right? Like that, like they know, like everyone knows, like Julia can do a certain kind of a thing. And when they empower you to not have to go there, that must feel like, oh, okay. Like I'm more than a two trick pony. I've got, I've got other shades. Well, you're saying the thing because I sometimes when your ego, the funny thing again about being an artist, no, a creative person is your ego. It, it, this is the questions I posed in midlife. What served you in your youth sometimes can hinder you in your midlife or how do you um, reimagine it? Because you still want that for lack of a better phrase, a, a, a healthy, joyful, fuck you spirit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but you know, when, when you're a kid, um, so wait, what did I want to say? What was the question? We're, we're lost in our own transcendent thoughts. It's okay. Um, no, no, I, I did really want to say something on the, well, Wait, uh, we, oh, you're talking about not not necessarily being pigeonholed for certain kinds of like the one or two trick pony thing, right? Yes, I was saying egos, because sometimes I will see in the material like, aha, you come to me because you think I'm going right. to do a Southern blah, blah, or whatever. I'm like, don't, <laughs> you know, don't insult my intelligence. But I, I'll just say no to things like that. Or there was a time period after I came on the scene, which I guess is a compliment, but where there was a Julia Lewis type. Oh, that was I'm in the, sure. I'm sure. In the script, which is <laughs> hilarious. And I'm like, how dare you? You don't know my type. But um, the concern is when Juliet Lewis gets beaten out for the Juliet Lewis type role. You don't want to lose your own type role. Like, at least get, give me the offer. At least get me the opportunity to say no. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've seen some people. I'm like, ah, I think I, I think I recognize that. Um, but yeah, I'm just wanting to do, you know, I would want to play like a jazz singer or, a, you know, I don't know. That's just in my wheelhouse. I wanted to develop this thing, uh, a story about Anita O'Day. Um, but anyway, yeah, you're now the, 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 the opportunities are more, they're more pronounced and colorful, especially yeah. with the br brilliance of uh, writers today that are be are shining, and th that's exciting. Well, I'll, I'll come full circle and cut you loose on and and uh, on this is just Yellow Jackets, which I assume you haven't shot anything for season two yet. Are no. you are you getting the answers you want answered? Because the fans have a lot of questions they they want answered. Do you know much about season two? Are you excited to see where? the path lies for your character because you were left in a bit of a precarious position to say the least. Yeah. What's your prediction? What, I, what, where, when you see Natalie, cause we know I'm going to be in the second season, 
what are you thinking? What what's she gonna be like? Where is she? This Who is, is above she my with? pay grade. These are the good questions. I, I expect yeah. smarter people than me to come up with the answers. Exactly. Same. And thank God they do. Um, <laughs> I just I I just deal with uh the energy. No, I, but no, I had this really fun conversation with Ashley and Lyle, uh, sorry, Bart, I keep using the last name, because um, I have a friend, Lyle Workman, who's a musician. Um, uh, so Ashley and Bart, we had a great conversation about uh, the, the energy of Natalie, of, of w- when you meet someone or you find her, she's, she's scraping the bottom and she's about to take herself out, right? That was the end of that journey. And then you get kidnapped. A violent act interrupts that, that thing. So I'm not going to, oh my God, because I could ruin things. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is we had a meeting of the minds where we both, or we all had seen this same um, point of reference about, a documentary that wasn't current mm. um and and we i was like oh i just watched this documentary blah 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 and they're like we were talking about that a week ago too but oh, anyway so you're on just, the same uh, page that's a good sign yeah okay well, well she'll we'll... be at a different place than than before so i'm only of course thinking of the character but as far as all those clues exact i'm such a simpleton with 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 thriller and all the tapestry of of serialized writing i'm the person who's like what happened to so-and-so why did they pick up the phone or what was that book yeah i'm I'm with you you would think me in in my business watching as much as i do i would pick up more i'm like reading the wikipedia entry as i'm watching this brilliant piece of writing i'm like why is it not just getting into my brain um, but thankfully, you guys look, it's a rare when you get the marriage of like the right cast with the right creators and like the ensemble that you guys have, the, both the younger cast and yeah. Melanie and Christina. I mean, icons all around you there. You guys are amazing together. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm honestly really glad it gave us a chance to catch up in it in a somewhat substantive way, I hope. And um, and yeah, it was uh, substantive. Well, we try around here. I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, giving me some respect of my my history, and I appreciate that a lot. This business beats you up a lot, so uh, it's nice to be uh, recognized. <laughs> of course, in a nice course. way. Give this damn lady your respect, Juliette Lewis. Yellow Jackets season two can't come soon enough. Um, thanks again for the time today. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. So ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>